Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. So I have to ask, you know, San Diego Comic-Con has been going on. What's the thing that you guys are most excited about that they announced this weekend? Or is there anything? Is Have you guys been paying attention to it at all? Oh, boy. I'm really excited about the Moon Knight series they announced. Oh, wait. <laughs> so sad. Sorry, buddy. Doing so Aww. dirty by one of my favorite characters. Mm. He would have been perfect in the Netflix series and they canceled all those. <sighs> well, that's kind of good, though, that they didn't bring him into those because then they canceled them. That's true. And they clearly have established now that those things are not canon because Cottonmouth is the new blade. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty excellent. Uh, I think Shang-Chi is the one I'm going to be most excited for because they're bringing back the Mandarin and they're doing the actual Mandarin. Yeah, I saw that they're bringing the main characters from Ruby into the game Smite, which I don't play, but I'm gonna now. I'm kind of looking forward to Doctor Strange and the uh, Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, this is going to be like their first horror movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking like when I think horror movie, I'm like rated R, blood, guts, everything. Is that how they are going to go? Or are they going to go more like horror, like classic horror where it's more of a nebulous uh, threat that everybody's afraid of? I feel like it's going to be like psychological horror because wasn't like the ring PG-13. Yeah, I think like so. that movie was fucky but it wasn't gory really or anything no yeah. it wasn't yeah. i feel like it's gonna be something like that just a lot of mess with your mind mm. creepy stuff yeah you know what fair. it's gonna be like it's gonna be more like saw is what it is <laughs> dr strange and He's whoever gonna, else is gonna have to like go through all these trials cut and off one of his spell casting hands yeah <laughs> i read too that they uh that the scarlet witch TV show will directly influence that movie because it comes out right before, like two or three months before. And so the events of that TV show of WandaVision will affect Doctor Strange, too. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, she's in it. Yeah, Yeah. I saw a a picture of Doctor Strange and Wanda back to back and they're, you know, showing off their powers and everything. Mm -hmm. So that looks really cool. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, I think for me, it's actually... I, I'm obviously very excited about all the movie stuff, but the uh, all the Hickman stuff that they're doing with the X-Men, it has been a long time since the X-Men have mattered in the comic books, but that's what I grew up reading. Like, I saw a meme the other day that was like, me as a time traveler going back to the 90s, be like, hey, they've made a whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, Iron Man's at the heart of it, uh, and the <laughs> X-Men aren't a part of it, and uh, Wolverine isn't involved whatsoever. This guy's not from the future. <laughs> Get him out of here. Um, so I'm excited that they're working to make the X-Men part of the bigger universe again and have their stories actually matter wish i had a segue Me so too. you can bop around town exactly yeah. two wheels yeah. two Easy wheels balance. love it yeah speaking of uh possibly taking a segue to a close location <laughs> <laughs> 
we do have the uh, RSVP up for the uh, Gen Con after show party. It is at 730 at the IRT. Uh, you can go to our website, thecritshowpodcast.com, and go to the events page, uh, and there is an RSVP there. Uh, if you are a listener and you're at Gen Con, or if you're a listener and you're close enough, uh, but you're not able to make it to Gen Con, but you want to come, go and fill out the RSVP. That way we know how many people are coming, and I think we're going to have a good time. We've got 25, 30 people signed up already. So. Nice. So yeah, just go to thecritshowpodcast.com, and at the top, click on Events, uh, and you will find the link to the RSVP there. Uh, we do have a couple tickets left for the live show if you're interested in coming, uh, and we also just opened up a fifth session of Monster of the Week. Uh, so on Friday... At noon, we do have 20 slots open uh, if you want to come play some Monster of the Week at Gen Con. Uh, I think lastly, we have our Die Hard Dice winner uh, is Robert Chavez. Uh, So I believe he has gotten the email already. Uh, Thank you for everybody who entered, and I'm sure we will be doing more giveaways soon. Kind of jealous. Yeah, congratulations, but I'm kind of jealous. Those dice were real pretty. They are. Yeah. They are. And as you can see, I've swapped them out for a duplicate set. These are mine now. Oh. Listen to them, Robert. Listen to them roll. <laughs> Jake has a fake name tag that says Robert Chavez. <laughs> it's one of his many aliases. And a, a, a fake mustache over my entire over beard. You, over <laughs> you. <laughs> Anybody get any parting thoughts? Uh, the, the Red Sea. What's going on out there? What you see in front of you is a goblin about twice the size of all the other ones. He is wearing a stained apron and he's got a huge butcher knife. I want to push the garbage walls onto this guy. Yeah, so Jake, you are standing there and the wall next to you rumbles and garbage collapses in on this goblin. (laughs) He is buried underneath it. Holy shit. Okay, now this room's on fire. We got to get the hell out of here. Did you? What's up the ropes? I don't know. I fell. It's gross. Instead of all of your gear and your equipment and your clothing going with you, it is falling off of you and you are ripping through pieces as you grow into this giant condor. Well, this is awkward. It's going to be worse when you have to go back. Oh, God. All right. I'm going to just try to pick him up by the arms and fly him up there. And you fly him out of the pit and you land on the ground. The goblin is there on his throne and he looks at you and his guards all point their weapons in your direction. As soon as I hit the ground, I'm just like, good day, my liege. How is the day treating you? (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) It touches the gem on this belt and it starts to pulse. And with every pulse, the goblin gets a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger until he is towering over you, wielding this two-handed sword like a dagger. So here we have Jake standing underneath this now enormous goblin wielding this two-handed sword like a dagger. Tass in his condor form, having just dropped him. And TJ, one floor below with all of these prisoners and the room burning. What is everyone doing? Uh, I just start clapping. I just start applauding this goblin. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, it pauses. And I, I kind of I point at him and I do like a big flex and like clap and I point downstairs and do a flex and do like a point like you, him, you, him. I'm like, I've got a I've got a challenger approaching. Do you want to fight him? Yeah. Roll parlay. Okay. I think that he is intrigued by I don't know that he can entirely understand what it is you're conveying, but the applause and the indication of strength and something down below has caught his attention. All right. <laughs> 
Oh, no. That's the only thing I'm good at. So his interest wanes as you try to do this flex pantomime. And I think instead of indicating that you have a strong friend below, he thinks that you are challenging him. Uh, and he swings this dagger at you. And I think that you are kind of on your seat waiting for something to happen and you duck down. But he cuts the backs off of a bunch of your arrows uh, and you lose two of your ammo oh, pips. Oh, no. dang. Uh, as soon as this pops off, I think I'm going to duck back down into the hole and try to pick up TJ. Okay. Yeah, that is no problem. You know, as we established before, you getting everybody up and down is the use of your hold uh, for this form. So, yeah, you were able to go down, grab TJ, and bring him back up, uh, leaving all of these people alone down in the fire. They're like, are you just saving yourselves? <laughs> Goodbye. Why'd you bring us along? <laughs> we could have just stayed in the cage. <laughs> um. So what is this? room exactly as far as you know we know that there are windows up here i saw sunlight coming in is there like a an door an exit door out the back that i would think le that leads outside or when you come out of this hole uh to the right there is an entrance way with a big double door okay cool cool so yeah i'm gonna just essentially drop tj at the edge of the hole there and then start darting back down to try to get other people okay so tj you have heard kind of this maniacal laughter upstairs. Sure. And then Tass, in his condor form, just ducks back down in the hole and then drops you in front of what looks like a supersized giant goblin. I just go, mess him up, please. <laughs> All right. And then I go for the nearest... Uh I go for the nearest crotch area on this thing because <laughs> that's the nearest, the nearest not crotch the area. Not crotch. Yeah. <laughs> the closest one he can get to. Because uh, that's the weak point, obviously. Uh -huh. Bag tag this thing and slide through its legs. All right. Uh, so I think instead of hack and slash, I'm going to have you roll defy danger with dexterity. All right. That's uh, a nine. Okay. So you can slide underneath and deal damage to this creature as you go. But he is going to get a hand on you as well. He's going to lash out and hit Jake, or you're going to leave something behind in your slide. I guess I'll just have to leave something behind. All right, so you slide between this creature's legs, and uh, as you go, you feel the knot on your belt come undone, and your pouch of gold gets left underneath the monster. No, that's my favorite pouch of gold. <laughs> uh, but uh, you said I do damage? Yes. Awesome. Hiya! I do eight damage. Nice. Thank you. I did it for you, buddy. I thank you. We're all going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as you slide between him and hit him and he kind of doubles over in pain, uh, the two guards that were standing next to him start to move forward with their spears. Uh, well, then I'm going to get back up on my feet and try and take both those guys out. Roll hack and slash. That's an eight. Okay. Roll your damage. That would be three damage. All right. And you take five damage so you in a pretty baller display you get dropped by this condor you charge forward slide underneath the giant goblin hitting it with your flail tuck and roll out of that as your bag of gold gets left behind jump to your feet and swing the mace again uh, at the two approaching goblins with their spears and it clanks off of both of them and they both get their spears into you uh, and now you are kind of in the middle of this big goblin party jake uh, I would like to sing my healing song for TJ, please. All right. Do you think that it requires line of sight? I imagine that is not in the rules. I just, you as a person, like us in this world, is it just thinking about TJ that does, or do you have to be able to see him? I don't know. I think that 
this is a vocal magic. Like your whole thing is you singing this out. I, I just feel like the intended target needs to be able to hear it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that it's probably being able to hear it. And, you know, like it's the intent behind it is what targets. Uh-huh. And so when it accidentally affects other people, it's because I didn't hone in on the intent enough. You I know? see. I see. And so everyone hears it. Um, but the person that it is focused towards has to be able to hear it. So if you were out in a very loud battle, let's say you guys are uh, in a place where there's cannons being fired, you may not be able to heal someone as accurately because they might not hear it. Or if someone on the team gets deafened, you won't be able to heal them. Uh, that seems fair enough to me. It does seem fair. I hate saying that out loud because I know it's going to come up now. But it <laughs> right. does seem fair. I, that's what I love about this game is we kind of get to set the rules of how the world works. So we think that magic works by, at least when it comes to, like, healing songs, that it is the act of being able to hear it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Roll your arcane art. Uh, Nine. So it draws unwanted attention or affects other targets, uh, but you are healed for... Where's my D8? There's my D8. Two. God. Um, I think that it has to heal another target because there's not any more attention to be drawn. So let's see. We will say that um, the big guy is odd and the little guys are even uh so it heals one of the little guys all right tass you have gone down i think that for the smaller name givers i'm totally hijacking that from earth dawn yeah it's just the easiest way to to talk about like races that the players can be yeah that for the smaller ones you can get two of them per trip okay yeah and i think i'm starting with any kids for sure all right um and what i'm just trying to do is get out the far side of the hole away from where this action is and deposit people right by that door. Okay. I assume little dwarf girl is like, ha 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 flying horns. As my talons do the condor. (laughs) Make arm pain. (laughs) All right. So you grab a hold of uh, two of the smaller prisoners and come tearing out of the hole and you drop them kind of in the corner right next to where this hole is. uh, But it puts them almost next to the entryway of this big stone room. Um, are you telling them to do anything? You tell them to hold still, run for it, join the battle, get out of the battle? Like uh, I'm just telling them to, to stay low, try not to get the attention of the big guys. I'm going to bring everybody up and we're going to get out. Um, so are you trying to do this as fast as possible or... I think as fast as possible, knowing that that fire is encroaching, because um, one way or another, somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. And hopefully in numbers, we will be stronger. Okay, so uh, roll Defy Danger with Dexterity to see just how quickly you're able to make this transpire. Not very. That is a four. All right, so it is going to take a while. I think that you get these first two out and you realize that it is too much strain even for the small folk to do them two at a time. Okay. TJ, you have just been healed a little bit, uh, but you notice that one of the other goblins is glowing as well and he seems to be bleeding less. What would you like to do? I want to... Oh, you said that the uh, the big goblin was doubled over. Uh, yeah, for the moment he is. I want to jump on his back and I want to give his head a good old smack with my flail. <laughs> All right. Um, I think again, defy danger with dexterity to get up on his back. Can't believe I'm using my not weakest stat, but not my strongest stat. Nice. That's an eight. So you can hop up on this goblin's back and bring your flail down on his head while he's hunched over. Uh, but one of the goblins is going to get a shot in at you. He is going to recoil from your hit and it's going to throw you across the room or he is going to grab a hold of the flail after it hits him. Uh, and it's going to be kind of a tug of war between the two of you. I kind of like that one. 
Okay, so you jump up and you rain this down on the back of his head. Uh, roll your damage. Seven. And as it hits, he instinctively reaches back and touches the spot where he has taken the damage, uh, but his hand closes over the mace uh, and he pulls it away. Um, and because it extends, he has not gotten it to the length yet where it's tugging you off of his back, but it is in his hand now. Jake? Uh, I am going to use a new effect from my arcane art that I don't think I've used yet. Okay. Um, so the next time someone successfully assists the target with aid, they get a plus two instead of a plus one. So I'm going to direct that at TJ because I, I'm going to start running that direction. I know I'm going to have to help him free his weapon oh, okay. in a second. What's the song for this? You're the best around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, roll your arcane art. Eight. Okay. So you expose yourself to danger. So as you start to sing and run towards TJ, uh, he does get the effect on him, uh, but you take three points of damage <laughs> as one of the goblins is attracted by the song too and throws their spear at you. Awesome. So I want to keep jumping to Taz, but really your time is spent in this battle. You are just going up and yep. down until you get everybody out. So TJ, I want to pull my weapon back from that goblin like it is my weapon, not his. All right. Uh, roll <laughs> defy danger with strength. I've heard that about that. And weapon. I get a plus two with that. Well, so I have to aid. So what I want to do as he does that is I want to jump up and grab onto like a finger of the goblin's hand that's holding <laughs> the mace head. Oh, okay. Just try and add my weight to kind of peel his grip away. All right. So TJ roll defy dangerous strength. Jake roll aid or interfere. Uh, that's a nine. Uh, so am I rolling plus one bond? Is that what we have with each other? Yeah. Let us assume for now. Bond isn't something we've talked about yet. It's a mechanic that a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games use, not Monster of the Week, but it is if you have a special connection with another character. So we didn't really go through the process of attaching bonds because obviously you guys are all bonded together. So let's just assume that you all have one bond with each other because we won't really go through you guys breaking bonds with each other or making new ones because you kind of established yourselves in Monster of the Week. I dig that. Oh, oh 12. Awesome. All right. So that bumps TJ up to a 11 so you're able to wrench the flail out of this goblin's hand and it starts to stand up as you do um, what are you doing uh, i'm going to uh take my flail extend it all the way out wrap it around the goblin's neck and just pull with all my strength oh god jeez all right so i'm gonna have you roll defy danger with strength to hold on as it like grabs the chain and tries to pull it off. And basically you are trying to stay on the back of this bucking Bronco. All right, we'll do seven. Okay. So you can stay on and choke this thing out and put it unconscious, but it is going to in its flailing boot Jake because Jake is <laughs> just right underfoot or it is going to pass out and fall backwards on top of you. Or it's going to pass out forward, but put you in between the two remaining guards with their spears. I think I want to take the lesser of two evils and go with he passes out forward and I'm left with the two goblins. So this giant goblin passes out, falls to the ground. Uh, Jake is kind of dancing between its feet as it staggers around and it hits the ground and you're able to get your flail out from underneath its head and you take a step off of it as it hits the ground, but you are now directly between the two goblin guards. In the meantime, dream of large goblins. <laughs> I'm going to uh, take the flail. I want to trip these guys up if I can. I just kind of want to do sort of a break dance move and flail my flail around their legs and see if I can't get them in a position that is more advantageous to us. On their butts. Roll defy danger. 
Uh, what would you? Oh, since I'm breakdance moving, I should probably do dex. Yeah. Okay. That's a 10. Nice. So yeah, these two goblins fall to the ground uh, as the chain whips around their legs uh, and they are just on their butts looking up at you. Then I'm just going to bring the flail down on one of them. All right. Roll hack and slash. (laughs) That's a 13. Good God. Yeah. You put the uh, flail upside this one's head and it collapses to the ground dead. And you have built a small cottage with those bricks, son. My God. Thank you. So there is one left alive, Jake, uh, and you see that it is starting to get up with its spear pointed at TJ. All right, I'm going to knock an arrow and and try and take him out. All right, roll volley. But I'm not going to, because that's a five. So Jake, you draw your arrow and you take a step backwards uh, to fire off the arrow. And as you step backwards, you step onto something very squishy and you hear like a... (laughs) And you hear the giant goblin starting to come to... Is that the consequence? It is. Okay, I would like to, I mean, just abandon Bo, I guess, and try and get the belt off of him before he wakes back up. Okay, uh, roll Defy Danger with Dexterity to try and get this belt off of this goblin. Please. Eight. Okay, so you can get the belt off of the goblin, uh, but it is going to get hands on you as you do it, or in your distracted state, you're going to get tagged by the goblin with a spear, like it's going to see you going after its leader and lunge at you. Or as you start to pry the belt off uh, because you have not deactivated the magic, it's going to short circuit a little bit. Uh, No, I'll let it get hands on me. Uh, So you start to undo the belt uh, and you do get the belt off of it and start to pull it, um, but it gets its hands around you and gives a squeeze before it starts to shrink. And you take nine points of damage as it just (laughs) rings you out like a dish rag. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god um but you get the belt off and now it gets smaller and smaller and smaller now it is just like both arms wrapped around your legs <laughs> and you are holding this belt okay i just want to pull my sword out and go i hope you enjoyed the last one you're ever gonna get and just plunge it through this thing's back okay roll hack and slash <laughs> 12 <laughs> sweet yeah two oh Um, But you know what? In his smaller form, uh, his hide is not as thick, uh, so he does not have as much armor, uh, and he does go down. He takes one point of that damage. (laughs) Would have been really embarrassing if I dropped my one-liner and he didn't die. (laughs) Um, TJ, this last goblin has seen this sword be plunged through his master's head, and he turns and starts to run at the group of prisoners i'm gonna grab him by the scruff and i'm gonna uh, just slam him straight to the ground as hard as possible all right tj roll defend as you try to step forward and stop this goblin from making it to the prisoners plus con yeah mm, okay that's a five <laughs> so you step forward to try and get in the way of this goblin and you get tangled up in the other body on the ground, and you trip and knock into Jake. And this goblin gets over to the group and grabs one of the prisoners and is holding its spear really close to the head and holding it up to the prisoner and is starting to back towards the door. And it's like, ah, and it's making thrusting motions towards the head of the prisoner. Uh, I want to put my hands up uh, after I've dropped my flail on the ground and... I want to point over to the gold on the ground, be like gold, and then point over to the goblin you. Okay, uh, roll parlay. 
um, can I aid him by like grabbing the gold bag and jingling it and like being like, oh, heavy. <laughs> like there's so much. Uh, in here. Yeah. Roll aid. <laughs> I have a six. I got a 10. So there you go. All That's right. A seven then. So with Jake, like, oh, heavy bag. And, you know, you pointing at it, you see that its eyes glint a little bit and it nods and it kind of shifts its head back towards the door in a throw it over there manner. I, I will. I'll chuck it over towards the door. All right. Uh, so you throw this bag of gold over by the door and it has this prisoner and it backs up towards the door, towards the door and to the point where it can reach the gold and it reaches down and it reaches a hand back and cracks the door open and pushes the prisoner forward and then vanishes out the door. Well, how much is a life worth? Evidently, at least what was in that bag? 26, 29, 22, 22, 22. That's all right. Yeah. 22 is a pittance. A pittance, I tell you. <laughs> yes, we have no idea how the economy here works. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, okay, is there anything we can do now to help with the rescue effort, or is it over? Yeah, I think that um, you know there are three or four people left, and you guys are able to reach over and help. You know, there's no immediate danger now, um, and so you're you know able to grab onto the ropes and pull people up, and everybody gets out of there. But it is like a fire pit down there. By the point the last person gets up, the room is totally engulfed in flames. Uh, and there's a lot of heat coming up through this stone floor. Uh, is there any way to look around for any treasures? Uh, yeah, actually, there is a mechanic in Dungeon World where that you actually roll for the treasure that they have. So based off of the creatures involved in this fight, uh, let me go to this chart here, and I'm going to roll some loot for you guys. In addition to this magic belt, there are two sets of goblin armor. There is the giant sword. There is a spear. Um, and this goblin was kind of an idiot because you do find underneath the throne another bag filled with gold. And it has 200 gold coins in it. Oh, <laughs> dang. He must not have known about uh, the leader's secret stash. So I'll hang on to all of that. <laughs> Whatever, I'm fine with that. You can turn into an animal and it becomes inaccessible. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we were worried are you, about are you holding all the gold? I suppose I am. Okay. Uh, how big are goblins compared to, say, a halfling? I think the size comparison would be about right. That's good because after I drop off the last person... <laughs> I am a naked little halfling. That's right, and all your stuff is down in the fire. <laughs> yep. Okay, so Tass is naked, got nothing. Tass, grab you some armor, and I'm just going to start shuffling. I'm going to start bringing people toward the door with me, but I want to peek the door first to see what on earth is outside of this place. Okay, so yeah, Tass, you can grab yourself a set of armor and a new spear. Okay. Uh, so now you have this junky goblin spear and uh, this really dirty piecemeal goblin armor. Uh, I'm going to pick up my flail and then also the two-handed sword. Okay. Just drag it behind me. <laughs> yeah, right. It, and it is it is big, like, you know, six feet long. Um, and so you are dragging it behind you. Uh, so, Jake, you get over to the door and you open it up. And what you see is a sprawling forest. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to escort people out then. If the floor is getting hot, just yeah. at least get everybody out this door. And they do. They Everybody goes out and they're very excited and you know they get out into the grass and some of them lay down and some of them kneel down and they're just looking up at the sun and breathing in the fresh air so i'll go to a, i guess one of the other halflings one of the adults oh, okay. um if i just yeah see one um halfling dude hanging out somewhere yeah that... he is rolling in the grass and like kicking his feet and even eating some of the grass all right my kind of dude um hey excuse me do you 
know this area very well? Like, are you guys, are all of you from around here or anything? This area, what do you mean? Just here, where we are, this, where this whole cave system is. Oh, this, this is Tomb Wall. Tomb Wall. Okay. Yeah, it was an old fort uh, that uh, it, it fell into ruin and the goblins took it over quite a while ago. Oh, okay. I forgot my elf move is when you enter an important location, your call, you can ask the gym for one fact from the history of that location. Okay. Um. So now knowing that this is a named fort or whatever, like I imagine that triggers something in my brain like tomb wall. Oh, I've heard that. And I want to know where's the nearest settlement to tomb wall. So yeah, you knowing that this is tomb wall, uh, you know that if you head about a day and a half south, you will come to Nottermore by the Bay, which is a little port city. Okay. Uh, guys, if we travel south from here in about a day and a half, we should hit Nottermore by the Bay. Does that ring any bells to any of you guys? Yeah, I mean, it sounds familiar to all of you. Yeah, somehow that name is in my head, but... Yeah, same. Will we be able to, I don't know, find someone there that'll help us, you think? I mean, it's a port town, so I assume, I mean, there's people there. You know, it's better than being here in the goblin-infested fort in the middle of the woods. Okay. It's um, the closest civilization that I know of. Sure. Uh, anybody here from Nottermore? Nobody raises their hand. Oh, okay. Yeah, regardless, I think we should start moving now, put a little bit of distance between us and this place immediately. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Let's, uh, I know everybody's tired, but let's, let's keep going. Let's, uh, find somewhere a little safer and then we'll get some rest and talk. Okay. And they all seem to kind of nod in agreement. I want to give the biggest person here the six foot sword. Yeah, there is a, uh, a fairly beefy human woman and she gladly accepts it. Excellent. All right. Uh, as we move, uh, I want to look over this belt and kind of focus down and see if I know what it is and how it works and stuff. All right. So I think, you know, normally this would be a spout lore, uh, but for you, it's going to be bardic lore because this is a magic item. Um, so bardic lore, I just ask a question. Oh, okay. Uh, no roll necessary. So how does it work? Uh, so the way that this belt works is you tap the red gem and once a day it will activate and it makes the user grow in size uh, and it increases their toughness and their strength. And the thing that you kind of pick from the history of the world about this item is this is a red gem. So, of course, it deals with strength because when it comes to enhancement, red gems deal with enhancing strength. And seeing Tass deal with all of these blue creatures and knowing that magic in this world is focused around places of power and the gemstones and the stones there, uh, you know that different color stones deal with different attributes when it comes to enhancement magic specifically. All right. How do you know this? Uh, I went to a museum that had an exhibit on like the, you know, some information about the gems and their attributes and stuff. And so they had basically uh, items through time mm. that, you know, this, hey, they all had this red gem, but this is like a crude one from way back. And this is a more refined one from not so long ago. And this is kind of how we use it nowadays. Okay. Did it also have like regions associated with the, the gems and their color and stuff? Yes, I think naturally it would have it yeah. would have had to or else it'd be a bad museum. Right. Was this set up in a town or was it like a traveling exhibit or No, this was it's a static structure. It's in one of the bigger I mean, one of the biggest cities I've ever been to. Okay. What city? Uh <laughs> Alpo. <laughs> <laughs> so in the city of Alpo there is a museum and it has it has stood for hundreds of years. Uh it is an old building, but it's you know, it's constantly being updated with new exhibits and new History, for lack of a better term. Okay. 
So you guys are going to spend kind of the remainder of this day traveling seems to be the intent. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll hand that belt off to TJ and explain that to him. Hey, this thing will work again tomorrow, but tap the gym and you know what happened to that goblin will happen to you. You'll get real big and strong and tough. That's awesome. I can't wait to try it. Oh, I want it. Can you imagine giant bear? I can. And maybe we'll get to that okay, also, but okay. I think more general purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For him. No, you're right. You're right. All right. So I think with you guys setting out to travel for the day, um, we're going to do a new move called Undertake a Perilous Journey. When you travel through hostile territory, choose one member of the party to act as trailblazer, one as scout, and one as quartermaster. Um, Each person can only have one job, uh, so you guys decide which of these jobs you want, and then you're all going to roll wisdom to see how well you do at your job. And uh, the quartermaster will determine how the food is used. The trailblazer will determine how quickly you get there on time or too slow or a little faster. And the scout will determine if anything gets the drop on you. I feel like I am suited for the scout as I can, you know, be a part of the forest, so to speak, and and keep an eye out that way. Okay. I think I could definitely be the trailblazer. I'm just a big old dwarf, four by four. I could easily make a nice path for everybody to follow. All right. Then I will be the quartermaster and hand out food. All right. So... Everybody roll plus wisdom. <laughs> Six. Eight for scouting. Ten for trailblazing. All right. And so the ramifications of these uh, on a 10 plus, the trailblazer reduces the amount of time it takes. On a 10 plus, the scout spots any trouble with uh, quick enough that it doesn't get the drop on you. And a quartermaster on a 10 plus reduces the number of rations required by one. Um, And then a seven to nine, everybody does their job as expected. Um, It takes the normal amount of time. Uh, It takes the normal amount of food. And then with a scout on a seven to nine, you uh, don't get the drop on anybody. Uh, but they don't get the drop on you. So my understanding of the way that this works in Dungeon World, and, you know, we haven't said this yet, but if you are a Dungeon World player and you see that there's something that we are doing totally incorrectly, please send us an email at the cast at the crit show and let us know, because um, I would love to make sure that we're running the game as properly uh, and correctly as possible. But my understanding of rations is that it's a ration per person at the end of that day. So, you know, you're undertaking a Paris journey, at the end of that day, you do the make camp move and everybody consumes a ration unless you have a special move. I know paladins have a move um, when they're on an adventure. Uh, I know that rangers have a move. Uh, druids also have a move that make it so they don't have to consume rations. So I think the situation that this puts you in is you have these 14 people that need to eat. You get to the end of the day of your travel and you can only feed five of you. Now, the ramification of not eating is that when you make camp, if you have not eaten, you cannot get the benefit of making camp. So you can't heal. And more importantly, in this case, you can't level up. So how do you guys want to handle this? Um, I would like to pitch it to the group, to the prisoners and be like, hey, guys, here's the deal. We don't have enough food to go around. So I'm willing to split this up so that everybody gets something. None of us are going to get enough, but we can break it up so that everybody gets a little something and it's not really going to help any of us much. But if we go hungry, we're less able to protect you on this trip. So I I want your guys' opinion. What do you think? We could we could take the food we need and be, you know, kind of properly energized and able to protect you and get through this journey, but then you guys don't get anything today. Or I can just kind of grind this up and give everybody a little handful and at least it's something. You know, this would be a perfect opportunity to kind of have this strange mutiny of the prisoners and this infighting. But it doesn't really make sense. 
Um, you know, they have been trapped by this goblin army. You have freed them. They have watched you do insane things. Save them from a cage. Set a room on fire. Save them from the room that you have set on fire. <laughs> um, you know, fight off these giant monsters. I don't think that any of them would say that they need to eat over you because no one has been able to get them out of this situation before. And I think that even as you are getting this sense from them, I think that, you know, a couple of them come up and say this, that they have seen other people come and try to free them before and no one had survived. And so the fact that you all survived and got them out, they're willing to kind of go through the discomfort if it means you'll be able to protect them. Um, because they are kind of in awe of the abilities that you have had and displayed since they have seen people get to that room, you know, come down that hole, come to save them and end up in the garbage room or in the cook's room. Uh, okay. And so we know that by tomorrow we're supposed to be there, right? Yeah, because it was supposed to be a day and a half. Um, and when you guys start to make camp, you can see the water in the distance. It will be you know, breakfast by the time you get there. Okay, then definitely I'll give me one. I'll give TJ one. Tass doesn't need one, right? That's right. I'm just listening to the conversation as like a bobcat up in the tree, just kind of nodding and watching. And so uh, there's 12 of them then, right? Correct. So I'll I'll break the last three up into quarters and give everybody something of what's left so that everybody gets something in their tummy. I think that the group, after you break them up and... You know, you guys start to set up camp. You see that they are moving around amongst themselves and like redividing them. And it seems like the woman with the sword almost gets a whole one and all of the children get something and the rest of the adults don't eat anything. Okay. All right. So you all start to set up camp. Uh, make camp is a move. When you settle in to rest, consume a ration, which the two of you have done. If you're somewhere dangerous, decide the watch order as well. Uh, if you have enough XP, you may level up. When you wake up from at least a few uninterrupted hours of sleep, heal damage equal to half of your max HP. I also have my halfling move, which is to heal a little bit when we make camp. That's true. So uh, is that a die roll or is it just an automatic number? Uh, that is a D6 that I roll. All right. So roll that. We'll kind of get all of these mechanics out of the way before I give you guys the opportunity to go around and talk with each other and kind of make a game plan for what you want to do once you get to this town. So I am apparently singing the songs of um, of Spring and Brook. Oh, and what song is this? Um, this is uh, River of Dreams by William Joel. Can I tell you what I wanted it to be? Yeah. I wanted it to be down to the river to pray <laughs> for my brother Arthur. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, um, I think it's fly when the girls stop by for that summer, for that summer. But then I remembered this is the spring and broke, not yes. the summer. Oh, I see. No. New kids on the block. No, that's not it. New kids on the block got a bunch of hits. Oh, oh, the title of the song. Yeah, I thought you meant the singers. No. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I'm going to roll it. Okay. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Six. All right. So everybody heals six points of damage. And then once you wake up in the morning, uh, you will, in addition, heal half of your max hit points if people still have damage left. And I assume they do. Round it up or round it down? Uh, round it down. Just because almost every game is rounded down. So we're going to count this. I think for us, it makes the most sense that if you guys have gotten through part of the story if you're not in the middle um we do this as the end of session you guys have gotten into this world out of this dungeon you have freed this group of people you are headed towards a safe town i think that's a good spot to call end of session and we'll kind of have to judge that on an individual basis which brings us for the first time 
to the end of session questions for Dungeon World. Yay! So, did we learn something new and important about the world? I mean, kind of a lot of random things just about this world existing. Like, we're really thrust into this. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the main important thing is that in this world, we're not us. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I think it's that's more kind of universal. Mm. But, um, you know, that was the big piece of information that we've been struggling with. And then on top of that, it's... I don't know that we'll be able to use this again, or even if you'll count it, mm. but just that the things that we do know about this world, we do have in our heads. It's just a matter of accessing it. I think that the way that this game works, you know, as you guys are spouting lore and you're coming up with this information, even though we are treating it as a Rolodex that you already have and the game treats it as a, oh yeah, this is knowledge that you know, it's knowledge that doesn't exist in the game world until you sprout it forth from your mouth. Right. So I think that kind of stuff, if it's important, would count into this uh, something new and important about the world. So, you know, we learned that for some reason at Tomb Wall, these goblins are keeping prisoners. They're not just killing and eating them, but they have kept this group of prisoners that for some reason people have come and tried to liberate before unsuccessfully. Um, we also learned about the magic in this world a little bit. And, you know, you told us about the blue color of the mountain range that you came from. And Jake learned about the red color of these gemstones that affect strength. We also learned that magic done through singing only works if you can actually hear it. So I think those are all things that you have all added to the lore of this world as we build it. So I think that that would count. Cool. Did we overcome a notable monster or enemy? I'd say we did. Uh, that was a pretty big guy. It was. Yeah. And then a very small guy. Yes. Um. Yeah, the troll we kind of overcame. We more bypassed a troll. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of ran away from. Yeah. <laughs> and did we loot a memorable treasure? We sure did. I forgot to ask you, Jake, what's the name of that belt? The Belt of Embiggening. The Belt of Embiggening, which is now in TJ's possession. And so for each yes, you mark a point of experience. So that means that the group gets three points of experience. Noise. And then on your character sheets, you also have something associated with your character, your alignment. So everybody go through what your alignment qualification, we'll call it, is. Uh, sure. Mine is marked as neutral, which is to eliminate an unnatural menace. So did you eliminate an unnatural menace? I get the feeling no. I don't feel like a goblin really counts as an unnatural. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Um, TJ, what's yours? Uh, mine is also neutral, and it is defeat a worthy opponent. All right. And so do you think you defeated a worthy opponent? Uh, yes. I'd say the giant goblin counts as a worthy opponent considering he was about 12 times bigger than i was yeah did and you defeat him or did jake we both mm. did we tag teamed that like i feel like i mean i i wouldn't have yeah. right like he did everything except literally the last point of damage yeah i feel like that should go in in his basket okay so yes you get a point of experience for fulfilling your alignment sweet uh jake what's yours uh minus perform your art to aid someone else Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yes, you get a point of experience. Um, so the last part, actually, of the end of session um, is dealing with the bonds. Uh, but because you're kind of intruders in these bodies, I don't know that we can really do the bond mechanic and do the point of experience from the bond. Um, you know, if you guys were playing just as the characters, that's a whole different story. 
Um, but I think that for the purposes of our story, at least right now, um, the bond is something we're going to kind of have to skip because unless we want to go through the process of making bonds for the three of you as people between each other and then seeing like, oh, do you fulfill that bond between one another? If so, that's probably something I should have had you done in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think it's totally fair to maybe hit that next arc. Yeah. You know, like, now that we have any idea what's going on in the world. Yeah. We could start to play it. So at the end of the end of session experience, and as a result of eating your ration from Make Camp, who levels up? I do. I almost do twice, but not quite. I wow. also do. Tass does not. I don't. All right. So uh, the way that leveling up in this works is that it is seven points of experience plus one for every level that you have. So it costs them eight experience right now to level up. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, I decided to go with the move called Merciless. When you deal damage, deal plus 1d4 damage. Oh, okay, so just you are now always rolling a d10 and a d4. Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, what is your stat increase? I increased my constitution to 16, which bumped my uh, modifier to plus two mm. and then it also brings my hit points up to 26 instead of 25 okay jake uh so for my move i took healing song so when i heal with arcane art i heal an extra d8 uh, okay oh, dang. so i'll be doing 2d8 healing uh and my stat increase i put it into wisdom to get me from eight to a nine so a negative one just to a zero okay i'm gonna wait till it comes up but i assume the more powerful healing song is a different song absolutely excellent <laughs> so um like i said i want to get those mechanics out of the way but i think you guys now have time at the camp if you want to talk to each other talk to the prisoners just kind of get a bearing of yourselves i mean you were in this new world you were kind of thrust very quickly into the situation you had to deal with it what are you going to do now well since we kind of already know how to get back i mean the the portal is down in that cave that we just burned down. that we just burned down good luckily it's only under like three layers of burned goblin trash and collapsed building. Can we stop starting seasons with burning the place down that we go to first? Look, two isn't enough to establish a trend. Okay. <laughs> I, Catch I, me in season three. We'll see how yeah, that. Okay. I do love that the first thing you guys did was come into a place that may have important information in it and burn it to the ground. Yep. Burn it in the ground. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but since we're here... We might as well see if we can't find some things out about my grandpa. Yeah. See if I, he's come through here or something. I, yeah, I think the, the plan is still on. Just look at us. My God, we I, I think this is taking a different form than we expected. But um, it's just a matter of looking for a man with that name and hope he is still going by it. I mean, is there a chance that he is also someone else here? Possibly, which is a whole other thing. Like, where's his body for real if he also came through? And is somebody else like what happened to his body on the other side or no offense, man, but like did putting together the portal do this? Like if we had just done the one under Noel, would that have put us physically through and you just did it a little differently so that this happened or do we know? Do we have an idea? I have no idea. Yeah, that's that's fair. And no, I mean, again, I'm not trying to say, oh, I think you did something wrong. That's not what I mean. As I just far as I know, I did figure everything as right as I could. Yeah. And as far as I know, Rev did everything as right as I could or as he could. We don't think Nash is here, right? We know Nash is somewhere, but do we think he's in this one? 
No idea. What I'm tempted to do is say we just start putting out word that we're looking for James Tincher because it won't mean anything to anybody. But if the word starts spreading and it gets to him, whether he's him or not, he knows. Right. And then he'd, you know, he'd be able to maybe track us down or at least have an eye. Oh, I'm not alone here anymore. But if we think Nash is also here, we can't do that because then Nash knows we're here also. Word will get to him before it'll get to anybody. That's a solid point. Oh, God. We just need to learn. We need to learn about this place. We need to learn anything. Who could we feasibly consider allies? Who are the, you know, who are the good guys here? And kind of start there. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think step one then is getting to this town and start talking around, figure out what the hell kind of place we're in. How long do we spend here before we go back and figure out what's different? You know, what if, what if five months have already passed back home? In the time we've been here, how long do we wait before we go through the portal home and see what it's like? Oh, God, that's a really good point. But we sure can't go back through right now. I feel like, I mean, once we have something useful, I think it's worth going back through. You know, anytime we've got something useful to deposit back home. Yeah, we should go do it. That's a good solid plan. And right now we've got nothing. Right. Well, let's start with what we have. I mean... (laughs) We have no idea why these people were down there. We don't know if they know why they were down there, but at least maybe we can get something, just kind of learn about them and a little more about the world. Yeah, I want to go around the group of ex-prisoners and start asking them about their experience. You know, why do they have any idea why they were taken there? How long were they there? How are you introducing yourselves to the prisoners? I mean, if I have that thought, would it trigger any kind of Rolodex to know who the person that I am is when I'm like, he might go by a different name. And that thought strikes me. Do I go by a different name? Would the name come into my head? As you have this thought, you have that same sensation of the Rolodex of information. And this is blank. Not that it never existed, but it has been taken away. It has been removed. It's like a sheet of paper has been torn out. Weird. Um, I, I'll share that. Yeah. And as he says this, you all have that same effect of oh, yeah, I've known stuff before. As soon as I get to my name or a sense of identity, blank, missing page. I I think, I don't think we should make something up because at some point we might encounter someone who knows who we are. But like, should we just say, should we just claim that we're staying anonymous for some reason? Should we give them nicknames and express that they're nicknames? Like if we go, oh, I'm Doug. And then later someone says, hey, Craig, we're gonna have to answer to them why we told them we were Doug. Yeah, Okay, so like nicknames. uh, Or I mean, I guess I could be Bard. So yeah, just sort of the fantasy. We are, we're like fantasy classes here. Yeah, whatever you think. There's probably going to be more though, so. Yeah. Like I I have a distinct memory. That's weird. I have no sense of identity or personality of this person, but I have that event in my head of like seeing others like me and training under somebody and watching him die. So I mean, there are other kind of druids out there. Yeah, and I think even as you guys are having this conversation around the campfire, you know, some of the prisoners um, are sitting around and talking, and you're like, you know, bard. And one of the guys is like, what? Are you a bard? Yeah. Tight. All right. You want to jam out later? What do you do? What's your, uh, what's your poison? What instrument? Oh, I play an uh, ornate instrument uh, given to me by my father. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the options, wasn't it? <laughs> Something, Something like, like that. that. It might be a scrambling. <laughs> it might be the mix of two. <laughs> A fine loot, a gift from a noble, or your father's mandolin repaired. Okay. <laughs> Pick one, bard. Well, no, it was my father's a noble. This is his fine loot. Okay. That he passed on to me. Um, Let's just pick like... I'm going by Bighorn. Are you? 
Yeah, bighorn sheep, bro. <laughs> okay. Bighorn? Yes, they're called bighorn sheep. That's what they call them. Uh, this I'll, is the, this is the horn. It doesn't Look, it might... roll off the tongue, though. Uh, I mean, I was going to say we should pick, like, letters from the NATO phonetic alphabet to refer to each other as or something that, you know, so at least that's a Alpha, clearly a nickname. Bravo, Charlie. Yeah, like something like that. Or like, I mean, I guess you can be bighorn or whatever. That's fine. <laughs> no, or, you hate no. it. You clearly hate it. <laughs> and I don't want you to grimace every time you address me. So no, no. we're, we're going to work on this. No, no. I just, I had the thought that I want to be Echo. So now I want to do that. Oh, okay. Because I, I make voice sounds. And I like that. Echo's echo. good. Yeah. See, he's he's good at making names. But you, you can, need I, to work on it. Bighorn is fine. I'm I'm not opposed to Bighorn. I'm sorry. That just, it came out wrong. You're Bighorn. I'm Echo. What are you? Okay. I was thinking like Tank. You're just Tank. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Tank. That, this is just what we call each other. Bighorn, Echo, and Tank. And we'll figure out later <laughs> who, who we actually are. I dig it. <laughs> so here we are at the campfire with... Bighorn, Echo, and Tank. <laughs> uh, what are you guys doing now? So you've decided not to go by uh, Tass, Jake, and TJ. So you're going to try to call each other by these new nicknames. And that's how you're going to introduce yourself to the people uh, that you are helping get to Nottermore by the Bay. But you said you want to go around and talk to them. Yeah, I want to ask them for yeah their, their history of being in that place. You know, I want to figure out anything I can if they just... If they have details they want to throw out, fine. Or if you want me to pick questions to ask them, I, I can ask questions. No, I think that um, I think that the story that you get inevitably from kind of the combination of everybody talking to you is that they were all taken at different times, but it has been within the last six months and none of them know why they were taken and none of them are from the same location, the same family, like they're all strangers to one another but that all of them were taken with one or two more people that looked fairly similar to them and that someone had come and while they were in the cages, the goblins would take them out into this room and they describe a room that you did not see and some magic effect was cast on them. And after a couple of rounds of this, the people they were kidnapped with did not make it back to the cage. And so they were the ones remaining. Um. Okay. So they were taken out. Magic was done to them in this specific room. Mm -hmm. Can they describe the room? Uh, they can. Uh, there was a big stone circle in the ground, and they could not see anyone. It was very dark, but they could see the flares of magic around the room, and they described seeing different color crystals around. And some of them match up with what you know of from the gems and the stones in this world, and that nothing happened to them. They didn't feel anything. But that when they were in it, all of them would light up and then something else would happen and a couple of them would light up and something else would be done and one or two would light up. And the stories that they had from the other people was that they had a different experience that they would be in it and not everything would light up or it would light up and fizzle out. And as they got further along in kind of the days of going through this, everyone who still survived their story is that when they were doing it, there was a constant light up of these stones. And as people started to not appear anymore, it was... Shortly after, they'd be like, oh, yeah, it was weird. I, you know, this one lit up, but this one kind of sparked out or something wasn't hitting right. And so these people were eliminated. Were they all in the same one big circle or was this a series of circles in this room? Uh, it was one big circle. I would because I would address Tass and TJ like to me, that almost sounds like the magic we've seen of kind of like drawing characteristics from other things into one thing. Yeah. You know, and I wonder if they're the survivors because they got the attributes they're the best of those 
three or four people now and they had a purpose to serve. I want to ask the people, like, did any of them feel any changes while they were in these circles? Uh, did any of them feel stronger, weaker, anything? No, huh? They didn't feel any effect in the circle. And just to clarify, I apologize one more time. All of them here, or at least most of them here, every time they were in it, everything lit up. Anything that lit up stayed lit the whole time. It did not flicker. It did not sputter out. It it. did not partially light. Thank you. I don't suppose that ring any bells for me, does it? That description of magic? Not exactly. Um, I think the thing that you have a sense of is that it almost sounds like some kind of detection ring that it was sensing either some attribute in them or some power or something. And that each time it might have been checking for something different. Uh, depending on which of the stones or the gems were lighting up, and that the people who had it where it was flickering or dying out maybe didn't have enough of it or didn't have it at all, the thing that was being searched for that particular time. Okay. Okay, so that makes sense. So if we're going by what we saw Anastasia do and what we know Esten was working on, maybe this is some sort of facility where they're looking for attributes to bring to another place and do that they're essentially maybe trying to move these people's magic around to make a big bad yeah i mean one way or another it seems like they're just kind of weeding out the top dog of each group of people they yeah so you know this whoever's here had the most of the things they wanted of the rest of that group or something right yeah i don't know i mean and it's entirely possible that this has nothing to do with us yeah it's true. This could just be some wild necromancer in this crazy fantasy world doing his own thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, a magic circle is a magic circle. It could be anything, but you know how I am. I'm trying to connect the dots. Trying to think, is there anything else we want to ask them? Do you guys have thoughts? What sparks in my mind is that if they're the, well, we didn't really necessarily find out they are the best of everything or whatever. I was just thinking, what are their, what are all their professions like? I mean. Well, like we know this yeah. dude's a bard. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's your name? He waves. Reginald. Reginald. So, Reginald's a bard. Um, do the rest of you guys have, like, you know, talents that are somewhat unique to you? What do you guys do? Um, you know, all the kids are like, we go to school. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why they spoke in unison. <laughs> <laughs> the large woman that you gave the sword to uh, says that she's a mercenary. Uh, there's a cook. There's a school teacher. Um, all the kids you know, go to school, but they also work in their parents' shops in one way or another. Uh, there is a like a traveling salesman. Um, there is a poet. Uh, it's really just kind of a smattering of people. All right. Yeah. So that doesn't really narrow anything down. I don't think so. I think this is all just kind of still freshly baffling. Yeah. I think we, I think we just don't have a piece that we need to make any sense of any of this. This is good information to have. I don't think we can do anything with it right now. Yeah. Right. We should probably just get some sleep then. All right. I I will just sing miscellaneous tunes for folk to get everybody calm and, you know, make this seem more like a camping trip than an escape from death prison. Okay. And uh, are you guys setting up a watch? Yeah, I probably should. Um, I would volunteer to do whatever the kind of darkest chunk of night would be. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess how does watch work since it's just like a few uninterrupted hours? It's not like eight anymore. Yeah, correct. I like to get up early, so I'll I'll sleep for the first two sessions, I guess. Yeah, so I think uh, that's a good call for Jake to kind of start out by getting everybody calm and stuff with the songs and then uh, wake me up to take an animal form so that I can kind of see a little better in the dark and stuff, and then I will wake up TJ. I'm cool with that plan. 
So you've all set up your take watch order. Um, take watch is a move, but it is only triggered if there is something specifically encroaching. So that'll just be a matter of me saying, hey, roll take watch. That's kind of your spider sense. Um, but Jake, as you are up and you're, I assume, singing to everybody and kind of making sure everybody gets to sleep, roll intellect. Okay, just straight up? Yep. 11. As you are going around and kind of dealing with everybody, one of the people in the camp, as you pass by them, something looks off about them. Like, they don't look the way you thought they looked before. Like, they still look completely normal. They look completely fine. But you remember, like, the ratio of the races and men to women being different. Something's off in the ratio compared to what you thought was there when you were leading everybody out of the jail cell. Uh, is the head count the same? Yes. Do I know which person seems different? I think so. With your 11, I think you have a sense that there's an extra male dwarf where before there was a female elf. Uh, I'll stop at that male dwarf and just be like, what did you say your name was again? And the dwarf in the sleeping bag rolls over and looks up at you and you see that it has the exact face that TJ now has. And he says, Tank, you know that. What's the matter, Echo? The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Sine. That's a geometric waveform or arc that rises and falls. And a new Canadian TTRPG and podcast inspired by that almost soothing mathematical motion. Let me show you. The action begins to rise as powerful strangers in a ruined yet vibrant world band together. If you run north, they will chase you. I suggest you stand behind me. Partner, I'd rather stand beside you if you're willing to help. Tension continues to mount higher as our characters must push themselves beyond their usual limits. As I'm climbing into the into the driver's seat, I'm going to say to Sarah, sometimes you got to make tough decisions. I'm driving now. And it peaks as a danger and excitement hits its zenith, leading to great failure or success. Fenrir would be just fire at this point. She straight up might die. Like, this encounter might murder you. You know what? You lit me on fire. We're going to be on fire, baby. And this tension relaxes. The tragedy, but more often humor, that comes with great pals being around a virtual table playing a game. Discover Sign on your favorite podcast player. S-I-N-E. The choices of the characters are theirs to make, but the fate of the world is up to the dice.